Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd. Sometimes a challenge may not go the way you planned it. You may have to alter it, change it, or ultimately not complete it. Katrina Mega set her mind to walking the length of New Zealand and ultimately on her first attempt came up short. But instead of giving up, she sees it as unfinished business and has gone back to finish what she started. Katrina Mega is on Why in the World. So it's a Sunday morning, we're sitting uh, in London um, with Katrina, how are you? Woo. Woo. I'm, I'm good for a Sunday morning, thank you. I don't think I've ever had a woo at the start of an episode before. It's like we're having a club. Got a nice black coffee and uh, yeah, I'm ready to have a chat about Walk NZ, which was something that you started and then had to take a little break from. Yeah. Um, I want to start by sort of having a quick chat about how you got into this adventurous lifestyle what led you to want to do something like walk nz technically at high school i probably would have been would have got the award for a person least likely to go and do something like this proper geek nerd uh goody two shoes all of that (laughs) so um and i wasn't brought up to be outdoorsy at all both my parents are very academic uh, so that was very much the bent that I was, mm. I was on. And then it must have been about oh, six or so years ago, went back to New Zealand for, for a holiday and did a couple of the New Zealand Great Walks. And there was one, um, the Kepler track, and we'd left late in the day and we got to a summit at seven o'clock at night just as the sun was setting and it was just us um my boyfriend at the time and and then we're on the on this mountain and the sun setting and there's these two kias birds of new zealand just flying around and it was just such a magical moment and there was just something in that that sparked something and i thought i've got to like do more of this so from just going out and doing some casual walks then and discovering these trails back in your home of New Zealand what led you to think I want to do something bigger I'm not really sure <laughs> no seriously <laughs> just popped into your head and, um, I've always really sort of liked the idea of of the outdoors and then the adventure side came along after doing that Kepler track walk to then go the next step because this is a, the biggest thing that I've done so I've sort of just jumped completely into walking the length there's of no New warm Zealand. Up. <laughs> no, there's no warm-up at all. The, the concept came about that there was something about walking the length of New Zealand. It was just in the back of my head. I don't know really where it came from, but part of it was the idea of wanting to push myself outside my comfort zone. And being from New Zealand, that sort of made it a little bit easier to deal with because there was certain comfort being my home country, I'd have a support network there. I spoke the language. So it sort of made it a little bit Mm. easier as a first sort of challenge. The trail that you're going to do, it's a famous trail. Just explain a bit about the trail, what it's called, how long it is, where it goes from to. So it's uh, um, the Te Araroa Trail, uh, officially opened in 2011 in New Zealand. So it's 3,000 kilometres or 1,864 miles. Starts in Cape Reinga at the north of New Zealand and snakes pretty much all the way down the middle of the country down to Bluff at the bottom of New Zealand. It's a very epic trail so when people think about long distance walking they think maybe about the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail in the US. They're much more established 
than the Te Araroa Trail. So it is technically in its infancy, you could argue, and as a result there's a lot of teething problems. So the quality of the track isn't particularly great, there's a lack of signposting, uh, so navigation <laughs> is, is required in a lot of sections. And in New Zealand we have this term called tramping, which I sort of explain as extreme hiking. So it's not your traditional, like, nice well-maintained trails and everything, this is like a little bit more hardcore. So you're going straight up mountainsides rather than nice gradual zigzag, which you might see on other trails. And the quality of the track can be anywhere from non-existent to landslides and climbing <laughs> under and over tree branches and fallen trees. And yeah, so. So when you told people that you were going to do this, you must have had a mixed reaction because you've never done anything like this before yeah, and yeah. suddenly you're going to walk the length of a country. Yeah. What, what do people sort of say? Um, well... <laughs> I love that. that uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, when I, when I first thought about it, my parents were over visiting me here in the UK and we're on the central line. Um, what a not place the, to No, not the central line, the circle line. And we're, we're just on, on the tube and I say to my parents, oh yeah, so I'm thinking of walking the length of New Zealand. And my mum goes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so not what you expected. Um, but then I guess the issue for me is that it took me three years to actually commit and find the courage to be able to to do the walk. So I started researching it that first year and I was like, no, I can't do this. It's too hard. There's kayaking. Oh my God, kayaking. I've never done kayaking before. I'm going to fall out, capsize, uh, all this sort of horrible stuff. And I put it off for two years before I finally was like, well, yeah, I'm definitely, I, I have to do mm. this because it was calling to me. I needed to, to actually do it. So when I was talking to people, about it some of them would be like why <laughs> why would you want to do that even yeah. um and other people were like oh yeah that's really cool but i think what's interesting is the number of people that sort of said oh that's something i couldn't do and i found that quite fascinating because yeah it's a hard trail and i certainly went into it unprepared i think for it but just hearing where people stand on their thoughts of doing something sort of challenging or, or epic is, is fascinating. I was talking to someone last night, actually, it's interesting you said that, about a marathon. And they were asking me about my marathon time and stuff like that. And straight away, they were like, I can't do it. I won't be able to do that. Mm. And I'm in no way like a quick marathon runner. I've got half decent times. But for them, they just can't comprehend it. And straight yeah. away, it's that I can't do it. Yeah, And you can... Yeah. If you put in the time and the commitment, yeah. you can do, to start with, a marathon, just get the distance done. Or you can do one of these big challenges. I think that's what I've discovered by doing this over the past year so far. Everyone that does these challenges, they might be a little bit crazy to a certain extent sometimes, but they're just normal people. Yeah. Like You're yeah. just a normal person yeah. who's decided that this is an idea that, that you've got in your head and you just want to yeah. do it. Like you've got a job, you work, and that's something that I always find quite interesting. How did you sort of accept in your head that you're actually going to have to take a serious amount of time off working? I think it helps by the fact that I'm freelance. Yeah. So you still got to earn money, right? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, house deposit. <laughs> <laughs> house deposit, living in London, where I wouldn't be able to afford to buy a house anyway. So what a better way to to spend that money than yeah. 
than to spend it on an adventure and an experience which is potentially life-changing yeah i think you've probably already experienced the fact that it's been life-changing yeah yeah so you get to the start line when was that exactly uh, start of November last year. Okay, November last year. 5th of November. You're at the start line. You're thinking, i got a long way between here and Bluff. <laughs> am, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. I mean, you can if you want. I'll just go beep, beep. i got a beep long way from between but here and Bluff. Basically, I did have to go to the toilet a couple of times before <laughs> I actually started walking. What are you thinking? Standing at the start line. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was a two-hour drive from where... So my parents dropped dropped me off at start line. It was a two-hour drive from where we'd stayed the night before. And I sat in the back of the car and just the emotions that were going through my head of what the hell am I doing? Can I actually do this? What am I thinking? Am I going to be good enough? What if I quit? What if I fail? What if something happens to me? Mm. (laughs) I've only put my tent up twice. (laughs) So you're just doubting everything. <laughs> yeah, just everything. And um, so I had like this cold sweat going on and my stomach was in knots. And um, yeah, it, was, it was, wasn't was a particularly pleasant situation. But I think the interesting thing for me was as soon as I started walking, that all those worries sort of just disappeared because I was suddenly transformed into this new zone this new mindset that I had to walk I had to get to the next campsite and because you you're not focusing on the future anymore of all these worries and doubts and what ifs you're literally just putting one foot in front of the other because that's all you can focus on Mm. did that Um, almost become a job oh yeah yeah definitely yeah Mm. sleep walk eat repeat yeah exactly how did you split it up in terms of the stages, the days, was there set places that you had to get to on a day-by-day basis? Technically, yes, logistics for the trail in the North Island is a bit of a mess. Um, there's there's long stretches where there's nowhere, no official campsites. Um, so they have trail angels often where you can, can stay there, but some of the distances can be crazy. So the first week is quite hard. It's the 90-mile mm. beach section which is 100 kilometers so what's that about 60 miles but you can't camp just anywhere that well they they say you have to stay in the dedicated campsites so day two is 28 kilometers so it's about I think 17 miles day three is 30 kilometers which is about 18.5 miles so when you've done no training like me <laughs> and you're carrying a really heavy backpack walking those distances straight off you're like huh. So you mentioned no training. Did you literally do nothing leading up to oh, this? Oh, no, I did a little bit, just not enough. Okay. <laughs> I, I wrote a really great three-month training plan. Um, and then just didn't just follow it. Didn't follow it. Mm. Yeah. Box Hill was great. I went to Box Hill and I did, I did a lot of um, down in the Surrey Hills and did quite a bit of up and down there. But nothing think, can prepare you for Tierra. <laughs> I think you have to be slightly naive going into these things, though. You do, because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Unless you've done a big trail like that before, you've got no idea. Mm, mm. You've got no idea what's about to hit you. And I think I think that's probably one of the big learnings for me, because I'm a planner by nature. So I put together a 36-page spreadsheet of the logistics plan, of where I planned to go every single night, where I was going to stay, how much it was going to cost, how much food I needed to carry on little bit extreme really when it came to that and then by the end of the first week that was pretty much out the window mm. end of the second week completely blown apart so 
I learned that you need to be a lot more flexible, a lot more adaptable. And almost and spend the time that you probably spent doing the program out on Training, the trail, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, good point. Thank you, man. <laughs> I, 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 that's, I, that I, felt I very that, aggressive, but... me saying that, actually. I didn't mean it quite like that. <laughs> we were just talking, actually, when we came in, because obviously you're going back out now again, which we'll get on to the reason behind that. And you were saying, I was doing a talk last night, and someone asked a question about training, and I said to myself, I should be training more. And it it is that though, but you're always going to doubt yourself. I don't think you'll ever reach a point where you've trained and you've thought you've trained mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll ever reach that point, no, to be perfectly no. honest. I think when you ever, whenever you start any sort of adventure or, or challenge, you you can never be 100% ready mm. for it. Um, but where you are at that point when you start is... I want to say it's like right for you because it's all part of the journey at the mm. end of the day. It must have been pretty terrifying because you're pretty much on your own out there. Technically, yes. And this this was one of um, the concerns of a lot of my friends had was like, how are you going to cope being by yourself, mm. doing doing something solo? And one of my friends was, was very scared um, for me. So I did some self-defense classes for just in case I met some dodgy characters along the way. So I can safely say I now know how to kill a man. Um, helpful. I'm sure. <laughs> Where they can put it into practice is another thing. Um, but for me, it wasn't as scary because New Zealand's my home country. So I think if it was another country like Australia, which has poisonous insects and snakes and stuff, New Zealand doesn't have anything like that. It has got no lions, no bears. It's pretty safe. I mean, during the whole trail, the most dangerous situation was walking past a massive bull in farmland. Okay. So, yeah. It's not so bad. And the quality of the track. How difficult was it walking on some of the track? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being terrible, I'd say about 15. Oh, right. Okay, so it's that bad. <laughs> in, some, in some places, yeah. The mud in the North Island is just ridiculous. We're talking like knee-high mud so Retea Forest, in, which is in the second week of the walk, is just classic example. What is it? It's 11 miles, this particular section. And it says in the trail notes, it take you nine and a half hours to walk. And it took me 12, just because it's so horrendous. The first bit is all uphill and then it's just mud mm. continuously. And it's just hard going. And I think that's the other thing a lot of people would say to me, wow, you, you must be really enjoying the walk, having all this thinking time. I'm like, well, no, because there's so many tree roots and so much mud that I'm having to walk over that I'm just concentrating on not falling over. So I'm not thinking about anything. And when you're concentrating so much, it's very exhausting um, yeah, and as it must, well. Yeah, it must have felt that you weren't getting the experience that you wanted almost at some points. Like, I would imagine you wanted to see this incredible scenery and just enjoy yeah. the walk. Well, that's the thing. You're so busy looking at your feet the whole this time. This isn't what I wanted to say. Yeah, exactly. And I met, a, I met a German walker a month or so in, and he said to me, you know, once you stop looking at your feet this country's really beautiful. I'm like, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know that, but it's hard not to just look at your feet. <laughs> One reason in particular that I wanted to sit down with you is because you experienced some real hardship out on that trail. When did those problems really start and when did it start coming to fruition that maybe you weren't going to be able to get this done quite like you wanted to get it done? So I stopped, ended up stopping walking after four months so I just 
reached the South Island. I was 20 kilometres shy of the two-thirds completion mark of the trail. But I probably started having funny leg problems easily two months before then. And I just had this weird pain of band across the top of my knees on both legs. And I just thought that it was tight muscles, but I wasn't stretching or doing anything like that. And I had done limited training (laughs) before I'd left as well. So I just kept walking, being the silly billy that I am, thinking, oh yeah, I'll take a rest day here, I'll take a rest day there. And, And you just think that everything's going to be okay. And then I got to the South Island. The South Island is considerably harder with more mountainous regions. And the Richmond Ranges, which is basically the second week of of the South Island, is very intense. It's basically nine to ten days um, between civilization points. So you're having to carry that much food, if not more, because of changeable weather conditions in case you get stuck at at a hut. On the fourth day of that section, you go up very steeply, you go down very, very steeply, like we're talking almost vertical. It's crazy, like, (laughs) it's very dangerous. Um, And then you go up again, and then you go down again. And I think that process of going up and down did something to my knee, made it a little bit worse or whatever. And then I had to continue walking for another four days on it, which probably didn't help. So by the time I got into St Arnold, I was hobbling and I took one rest day. I was like, I'm just going to keep going. I just didn't listen to my body, basically, and walked for another three days. And then the weather turned and got to the uh, YL Pass, which is the second highest point on the trail. And it's a very steep incline up supposed to be great views and then you do a backwards scramble very exposed descent Uh, and the wind was a southerly so it would have been hitting that very exposed um, descent there was rain it was really cold and my knee was playing up and I thought I'm not feeling confident to do this and the weather conditions were pretty poor for the next week so I thought I'm going to have to just pull out for now see what is happening with my knee and fortunately there were uh, three British guys who were amazing I should give them a shout out Dan um, Murray and Dave absolutely epic Uh, they basically rescued me in inverted commas I walked out with them hopped on their water taxi and they drove me to Hamner Springs which was really helpful and then I stayed there for a week trying to decide what was going to happen saw two physios three times and my knee just didn't get any better and the season was starting to get late I didn't know how many walkers there were behind me and I just had to make the call that I'm going to have to push pause on it for now that must have been a hugely difficult decision to make it was horrendous absolutely horrendous yeah because I just felt like an absolute failure I had at no point during the preparation, during the actual walking, did I think that I would actually quit or pull out because of injury? I don't know if that's me being thinking, oh yeah, I'm superhuman, or or what it is. I just don't think you think like that though. No one thinks like that when they start something. Because I if w- you're thinking like that, you're doubting yourself. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I was doubting myself enough to begin with, so that would have just been an added thing. But I think also it was the frustration that it was such a stupid thing, just like a sore knee. It wasn't like I'd broken my ankle or or fallen off a waterfall or anything like that. It was just 
well, according to, to the physio that I went to at my parents, it was because I had weak butt muscles. I mean, <laughs> of all the things, I've been walking for four months and I'm told, oh, yeah, you've got a knee problem because you've got weak butt muscles. <laughs> Were you worried about telling people? Yes, but no, I think I'd been so open um, about dealing with my self-doubt and how I felt about whether I was actually capable of physically walking it. It was the sort of thing that, yeah, it was okay to, to talk about. It was more how I felt about it in terms of being a failure. But that was the interesting thing, I think, that I felt I was a failure, but nobody else saw me as being a failure. They're all like, but look what you've accomplished so far. I'm like, yeah, but I'm having to quit. Like, how, how does that work that I can feel like I am, but you don't see that I am? And that was a really interesting conversation that I had with myself. To anybody else, who hasn't just walked 2,000 kilometres, they're like, well, she's just walked 2,000 kilometres. Yeah, you've got this bit to go, but that's only an A to B that's in your head that you've built up. Yeah. When you got back to London, how long did it take for you to be like, I need to go back and finish this thing off just for my sanity? As soon as I decided that I had to pull out. Oh, okay. So I decided right then I had to come back and, and finish it. Okay. Yeah. So you knew straight away you were like, well, this is obviously an issue that I need to get resolved. Mm. And once it's resolved, unfinished business, I need to go back and get it done. Yeah. Since you pulled out, have you thought about it every day? Pretty much, I would say, yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Is it hard to have that weighing on your shoulders? Um, I think the hard part is knowing that I'm effectively going to have to start again. That's the first two weeks are going to be hard. Again, I'm going to get blisters. I'm going to have to get used to carrying a heavy backpack again I'm not going to have my trail legs if I'd walked from the top of the North Island and just carried on walking and knowing how hard that first month was in um, in the North Island that's the bit that scares me knowing that I'm going to have to do all of that again have you got any doubt what that I that I can't do this bit oh no I'm I'm doing it (laughs) I'm doing it. Whether the knee will play ball, then that's that's a different story, I think. But I think it's very admirable how mentally strong you've obviously been over this period of time. Because when did you get back to London? May. So you got back in May and you're heading out... End of November. End of November, yeah. you're heading out to... Start walking, start, start of January. Start walking, okay. So six months of being back here with it on your mind every single mm. day. A lot of people would have just been like... I. I look, I can't keep thinking about this all the time. I'm just going to scrap it. And people would have forgot about it. If you had made the call to just be like, I don't want to go back and do it. And you mm. you just said that, you know, you've walked 2,000 kilometres across New Zealand. Everyone would be like, oh my God, that's an amazing thing. You're reminding people as well that you, you stopped mm. and you're going back to do it. How's the support been? And have you had anybody being like, you don't have to go and do this, you know? Oh yeah, my mum's done that quite a bit she said that right from the start if you get to the bottom of the north island and feel like you don't want to do the south island then that's fine you can you can make the decision and technically that's right you have the power and control to choose whatever you want to do and I guess when I first started walking part of it was to prove that self-doubt didn't have to hold me back from doing such a big goal that I wanted to achieve I don't know if that is still part of the motivating factor for the going back now, but I don't know. It's just something that 
that needs to be done. What are the motivating factors? You just like mentioned the motivating factors to go back and get it done. What are they? Is it just because you, you feel like it hasn't been completed yet? You feel yeah, like you failed? I, th- I don't feel like I failed now. I spend a lot of time analysing that and thinking about it. And life just happens. People deal with failure all the time. That's just what life is. So it's. I think it's thinking about what we want failure to be. I was seeing it as a bad thing. I was seeing my knee as a problem. And then I sort of switched it around and thought, well, actually, maybe it's an opportunity to do things differently, to have a new adventure, because now I'll be going back as a slightly different person. I will have learnt so much more. I've had this time to sort of percolate all my learnings and everything. So the South Island now is going to be completely different experience to what the North Island was. But I think the important thing is, as part of the, the whole walk, was to raise awareness of self-doubt and low self-esteem and to to show that we're much more capable mentally and physically to be able to achieve these goals and dreams that maybe we think, oh, no, I'm not good enough to be able to do that. And I think so far I've been able to essentially show that actually it is possible. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. The only thing that's stopping you is, is your thoughts. I do find it really interesting as well, just the word failure especially in this situation, because you're in no way a failure. And I just think failure is a horrible word. It's just a horrible (laughs) word even to say. Yeah, You've achieved so much already on that journey, so much. And you're just going back to achieve more. What has this experience taught you? How has it changed you as a person? You just mentioned in that little section there that it's It's, changed you. Well, it's weird. Part of me feels different, but part of me doesn't. And I've had this conversation with uh, with other walkers uh, from the last season as well. And I'm like, what, what does it feel like to you to, to come home? And they're like, it's like everything is the same, but there's something slightly different with us, but we can't quite put our finger on it. But I think for me, there's certainly, I sort of feel I am mentally more resilient and the fact that I know that I am actually now capable of of more than I thought I could do when I first started walking. So, is it an appreciation of what your body and your mind can do as well yeah, now? Yeah, because you've experienced what it can do in that first trip in that first season. Did it shock you what you could do back then? Oh, definitely. Week two, going through Retea Forest with, with all that mud, I was so surprised that I was able to get through that so sometimes it felt like I was um had post-traumatic stress disorder as a result because it was such a harrowing soul-destroying experience being in this claustrophobic forest with knee-high mud and no one else lack of signposting getting lost several times so for me to be able to get through that and I did not panic once or cry I'm really proud of myself for for achieving just that you should be proud for the whole journey the whole first journey i know a lot of people will be listening to this now and being like you should just be very very proud have you given yourself time to think about finishing no actually no i haven't really here's the time (laughs) (laughs) how do you think you're going to feel because you're going to get there i've got no doubt how do you think that moment is going to feel I don't know because I thought about when I when I would get to the bottom of the North Island and 
that was a very surreal experience because I got there to the to the southern point of the North Island. I'm like, wow, I've just walked. I think it was um, one thousand six hundred kilometers by that point. And so it is a crazy thing to try and get your head around, definitely. But it just felt surreal and didn't really feel like, it just felt like I'd gone for a walk mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. It was a, it was a very surreal experience. And so I think to a degree, getting to the bottom of the South Island is going to be a little bit as, as well. But I think that's also the other part of it is everybody else who, who's doing this walk, everyone I met they're just ordinary people and like you said just before like there's nothing particularly spectacular I think about me at at all I've never done anything like this before and everybody I met they're just ordinary people who've just gone you know what I'm going to take a few months off work I'm going to go and do something amazing just for the hell of it to see if I can when you get to this metaphorical finish line that we talk about because it's, it's weird. It's not a race, is it? So it's, it's strange. Mm. It's not really a finish line. It's just kind of a point that you get into. But sometimes it feels like a race, though. Do you but, think? Yeah. Well, certainly for me, when I first started walking, because I was just comparing myself with all the other walkers, and they were all faster and fitter, with lighter backpacks, fewer blisters and stuff. So it felt like I was in competition with them, and I had to sort of keep up. And it was only because I realised, after a month of going, <laughs> that I realised I was on my own journey. They were on their mm. own journey. So then you realise that it's That's a weird thing. Race. Comparison's such a weird thing, not only in like sport, but in day-to-day life as well. When you see someone doing well, and you're like, I want to be doing that. And it should inspire you, shouldn't it, really? Rather than make you, je- jealous is the wrong word, but make you be like, ah, oh, I hate this guy for doing so yeah, well. Yeah, it's very yeah, strange. Yeah. Does it feel like you've got a weight on your shoulders now or not? Only in the sense that I feel like I have to do it. <sighs> if that makes sense. Yeah. It's hard to explain. I don't know if I'm going to... I don't think I'm going to get to the bottom of the South Island and go, oh, yeah, great, I've done that. Now I can go and make a cup of tea and sit down and do some knitting. <laughs> have you ever felt like this about anything else? I'm naturally a high achiever and a perfectionist. and I do put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve and I can be very stubborn and determined to get things done. Just before we finish up, when is that first foot getting planted on the trail? Um, I, it will either be the 5th or the 6th of January. Yeah. And if people want to follow your journey, can they do that? Are you going to be tweeting? Or? Yeah, I'll be blogging, tweeting, public Facebook page and Instagram pictures okay. as well. So where can they find all that? Just Google me, okay. <laughs> Katrina Meggett, and yeah, I'll just come up. Well, good luck, Thank good you. luck, good luck. How many people have said good luck now? I bet you've got good luck. <laughs> You're like, okay, I don't know, just let me get out there and do it. Do you just want to get out there? I bet you just want to be there. Do I you? do, yeah. I sort of want to get it over and done with, but <laughs> if, if someone can invent like a new leg, that would be helpful. <laughs> You're still worrying about that leg? Yeah, yeah. It's probably the biggest concern mm. at the moment. Do you think part of that's mental as well? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You told me before we pressed record, you said, oh, the physio's kind of told me to take a foam roller out with me. Yeah. Saying that is going to be a nightmare <laughs> to put in a backpack. There's, there's no room. There's no room at all. <laughs> no. All right, well, look, massive good luck. <laughs> and you. Um, I'd love to have you back on to chat about it when you've when you finished. Because yeah, I've got no doubt that you're going to finish. So good luck. <laughs> Thank you, Ben.
Katrina is actually out there walking now and I know she'd really appreciate your support. So head to her website or her Twitter or her Instagram and send her some support. Uh, I know she's going to smash it. Massive good luck out there, Katrina, from us here at Why in the World. Uh, if you're not subscribed, please go and get that done for us. Rate us five stars as well and write us a nice little review if you can. That would be fantastic. And two weeks is when your next episode is going to be coming out.